Welcome to the Mom Village Podcast. We are three multicultural moms sharing our journey through motherhood with the Christ Center Foundation. For information and resources, visit us at our church's website at gofamilychurch.org. Or you can also email us at themomvillage at gofamilychurch.org. And please go over and follow us on Instagram at themomvillagefc. We're glad that you're here and welcome to our village. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mon Village. We're so excited you're joining us again for another great episode. And we're going to talk about marriage conversations. And we can't talk about marriage conversations without our spouses. So we're thankful that our spouses are here with us. We're going to have some great Q&A. So be ready because this is going to be great. And let's just start. You guys are ready? You want to say hi to our listeners? Oh, good morning, Mom Village. It's Eric and Kira checking in this morning. And the Scroggins? Good morning, ladies. I've got my man Jimmy here with me again today. I'm so excited. And Ramos. Good morning. <laughs> your I mean, radio voice. Was that your sexy voice? What was that right there? Hopefully it'll work for later. <laughs> Macho man voice. Okay, let's start. Ready, guys? So let's start with this question. How do you balance home ministry and work life? I would say that you helped me gauge that quite a bit. Like there's a sense that if your wife is not helping you figure out whether you're spending a lot of time at work, I will probably never figure it out myself. <laughs> so you do a great job of reminding me when I, hey, you know what? Your kids really need you. I need you. But something that I always think about is that I always try to think about how you're feeling and how the kids are feeling while I'm at work because I know I'm having a, a lot of fun because I love what I get to do. And yet a lot of times I got to kind of put myself in your shoes and by the way, I love coming home. So it's it's a joy for me to walk through the door of our house. And so that makes it a lot easier. You've created such a beautiful home for us. And last night you texted me, you said, hey, when you get home, I have a yummy, yummy meal for you waiting. And believe me, I sang the best I've ever sung for the recording, <laughs> for the worship set. And I was home as quickly as I could because I wanted one to take. Eat the meal. Yeah, one take. It was, man, one take wonder. But I think you've created such a beautiful environment at home with the kids, just the way that you are. And, and that makes me want to come home. And you also keep me accountable for the time that I'm spending at work. And yet you don't hold it against me when I have to stay at work long hours, which there are seasons of that. And so I'm really grateful for that. How about the Scroggins? You've been doing this for a long time. so well, I mean, it ain't that long. Gee whiz. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we're grandparents, babe. We got to just acknowledge, right, right, right. acknowledge the fact. Okay. I tell you what, I'm so grateful because Jimmy has done a great job over the years. And I think this took a little tweaking maybe when our kids were young, but he has, I think he likes being home. And if he doesn't, he's really good at faking that he likes being home. <laughs> but I think he likes being home too. And he's so great at compartmentalizing. So when we go on vacation, when he's at home, he's home and he's on vacation and he just is having so much joy. We went to the mountains last year and he was doing puzzles. He put his phone up. We were going on hikes. He had to check in periodically with work, obviously. The family felt it that he enjoyed being with us. And that's big. So on the reverse side of that, it's my job that when he's at work, I let him be. 
So I'm trying not to text him random things that I'm thinking in my mind. Do I do okay with that? I try not to. Yeah, you do great. <laughs> I try. I try not to. Call, I don't call him ever unless there's like a massive emergency. And I'll text him something sweet or thinking about you, love you, that. But I really try to respect his work time because it's not fair for me to expect him to be all in at home, but for me to infringe on his time at work. And so I think there's a balance there. What about it, babe? Well, I think, too, just making sure that you're marriage-centered. Every marriage is different. Every home is different. Every work situation is different. And the demands of work, and all of us have to work because that's how we feed our families. That's how we take care of our families. And so, you know, everybody's going to have to contextualize the way that they work that out. But I think the number one thing is if you are married, to be marriage-centered and to say that the number one human relationship in my life is with my spouse, not with my children, not with my boss, not with my coworkers, not with my employee. And as long as we can keep that in view and everyone feels that— I think there can be a lot of grace given all the way around. Mm -hmm. And so I just say, you know, God's designs for us to be marriage centered if you're married. And if you have that in place, the other things tend to work themselves out. So what is something you guys feel you have to sacrifice regularly because of the ministry you both do? And not only in ministry, but also in your job. And what is something you guys feel like you got to sacrifice daily? Well, I don't know that I would say that we have to sacrifice a whole lot. I think because our children are older now, there's and we have a driver at our house, so there's not as much demand. But I think one thing that we have learned over the years is that, and one thing I've learned about my husband is that he gives all he has at his job all day. And in order for him to be the best dad, best husband I think we have cushioned in that time that he goes to the gym and works out every day. And it makes him such a better man when he walks through the door. That's like his playtime, <laughs> his play date, play date. <laughs> his play date every day. Because again, when he walks through the door, he is like all in full on dad. I mean, kids are running to the door. Dogs, dogs are, are running to the door now. Dogs, plural dogs plural. are running to the door to greet him. So I don't feel like we sacrifice a whole lot. You know, I don't have a problem like when we have kids that are participating in sports. So, you know, that's still a part of, I mean, we do share that responsibility, but I just feel like it's an extension of my day and it allows him to get time in. But I just, I don't feel like there's a well, huge sacrifice. There isn't for us because again, we are in a different stage of life. Yeah. But for I think when you talk about some of the listeners who may be at a younger stage of life with young kids, one of the things I will say to the, if dads are listening, which I know some are because my nephew Text me those days. Nephew, I hope you're listening. Shout um, out. Yeah, my nephew's listening. You will have to, at some point in time, and I won't call it a sacrifice, maybe it is a sacrifice, think about the times that, as a single man, the things you got to do, whether it's, you know, being out with the guys, you know, you do have to manage that time a little differently. And then, as Kira mentioned, you know, for me, getting to the gym, maybe not every day, but when I can get there, I don't want to say every day because when people see me, it's like, he doesn't look like he works out every day. <laughs> Uh, keep the bar low. Yeah. Uh, keep it very, very low. I want him to think, man, he didn't work out often, but look at him. He looks amazing. Um, there will be times that you won't get to do as many of those things as you enjoy doing as a single man, but finding what I call balance or blend of time with, with the family. So, But we're in a different stage of life, yeah. life now. Yeah, yeah I, I like how you directed that because I think there's a misconception I mean, these are questions that you listeners sent to us, but I think there's a misconception when you say sacrifice because like Eric just saying, 
when you're married and we have little ones, I don't feel it's a sacrifice. I choose to do it that way because I enjoy it because it's a joy and it's a blessing. Mm -hmm. So I don't see it like I'm sacrificing because that that's very selfish. I'm not thinking of myself anymore. I actually enjoy not going or doing all the things I used to do. I don't want to do it. I prefer mm -hmm. to be at home with my kiddos, even if I'm like exhausted and overworked, mm -hmm. but it's a blessing. So it's not a sacrifice. It's like, it's a decision mm -hmm. that we both do it together mm -hmm. and we enjoy it. We might not attend to many gatherings or activities, but it's something that we choose to do it and we enjoy it yeah. because we and appreciate it. And that's only for a home. season. Yeah, it's only for a season. And that's something I've learned here on the Mom Podcast, you know, so I'm enjoying my baby stage and my baby season. So, yeah. I think too, like uh, one of the things I love about Eric and Kira is that these guys are church planters. So they have like started churches from scratch multiple times, done it for no pay or low pay. <laughs> they have just chosen to create a whole life crafted around ministry. But the way I observe you guys, I've known you guys, is I think that's right, Jason. I think you guys have together as a couple said, this is one of our priorities. Mm -hmm. This is something that God's called us to do. This is something that God's equipped us to do, put on heart. What some may call a sacrifice, I would say the people around this table would probably say, no, it's a priority. Priority. It's a sense of calling. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, of course you have to make, there's, you know, there's opportunity costs for everything. If you do this, you can't do that. Yeah. And so, I don't know, I, I like thinking of it that way too, Jean Smile. I mean, I do think in any relationship, one of the things is, again, not a sacrifice, but a choice is that we are called to lay down, sacrifice, however you want to say it, self. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're in a relationship with mm -hmm. your husband, with your children, with your church family, you are called to by God to put self to death. And, yeah. you know, in a marriage now, it's not just me. It's Jimmy and I as one. And then we choose to have children. So it's really all about choices. You know, I've chosen to be a mom. Well, there's some responsibilities that, th yeah. that come with that. And so, yeah, self probably. Yeah. I'll just say this, that People ask me, do I have a social life? Uh, we have a lot of young ones at home, right? So, And I would say that maybe not in the way that most people would describe a social life, right? When you have your family life and you have little ones, your social life is being at home with That's your right. kids. Yeah. That's and exactly so, right. you know, people go, hey, you want to go to dinner tonight? I'm like, I am going to dinner tonight. <laughs> I'm going with my kids <laughs> and my wife. And so the idea... Chicken nuggets and hot dogs. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> <laughs> hot pockets. So it's, it's just a different, it's changing your mentality as to what the new social interaction is or anything like that. You're just making it. It's a different stage in life. Completely. And it's a misconception, like I said before, because the world will present it like you're wasting your youth, you're wasting your time. Like, why would you just not go to this activity or whatever? It's, I feel it's almost like learning how to say no because of the gain that you actually receive by saying no. And just being at home is way better. It, the, it's such a blessing. But sadly, people don't see it that way because they don't know anything better. Yeah. We, since thankfully, and I'm so blessed, and I say it every day, to have a great husband and a good marriage. I know the blessings and the, uh, the benefits of that. So for me to try to explain that to people, I know it's hard. But again, I don't have to explain sometimes. I'm like, like Christian just said, yes, I'm having dinner at home. I enjoy being at home. I, I enjoy not going to activities. I enjoy not doing all those things. And you're probably thinking, well, we don't feel that way. Like in my, in our home, my husband prefers to be out more often or he prefers to hang out more often. Well, maybe that's a conversation you need to have with your husband. And if you need a third party, a counselor or somebody, if you have to do it, do it. But it has to be a balance. And like Christian said, you want to want him to come home. You want to want, you want to miss your husband. You got, 
you guys want to be home more often. You know, home is the only place you have peace. So if you come home and you don't have peace, that's something you have to work. Yeah, that's something I tell my wife all the time. I I tell her, in the world, you're not going to find peace anywhere. Mm -hmm. The only place that you will find comfort and peace is in your home. And if you can't find it there, I mean, that is the closest to heaven as it should be. (laughs) Honestly, home should be the most restful, peaceful place. And I feel that. I just want you to know I feel that. I, I look forward to being home to find that comfort and rest that really I think God has designed within family and marriage. Well, can I just say that we are sitting amongst two published authors this morning? Oh, Congratulations. Thanks, Kevin and Jimmy. Yeah. Thank you, Kira. Can I official announce it? Because it was on the Instagram, so I can. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Like, make sure it was um, all out there on social media. We want to be the first ones. The first ones. <laughs> the mom village. Breaking news. I think it comes out in April. But you can April 20th, but you can pre-order. So on that note, the book is about parenting. So you guys are eight children in, two grandbabies in. So officially you are experts. Okay. Got it all together. Unfortunately, Um, people around this circle know (laughs) (laughs) The title of the book is Full Circle Parenting, and we cannot wait to get our copy. Cannot wait. Go pre-order. Go pre-order. Go pre-order on Amazon and I don't know all the other places, but Amazon. Amazon. So with that, we had a very interesting question. It's very relevant to society today and to parenting. And we just want to just kind of tap your brains on this one. How have you and your spouse prepared to answer the question about gender fluidity? Well, let's just jump into a, a okay. very easy one. Let's start <laughs> with gender fluidity. Well, one of the things, Kara, that we all need to know as parents is when you are parenting, you've got to have good theology from the Bible, and that will give you a good strategy to have good conversations. And it won't really matter what the conversation is about. It could be about something relatively simple, like why it's important to tell the truth. If you have good theology, you'll have a good strategy for having good conversations about telling the truth. Because from time to time, your kids are going to fail to tell the truth, and you're going to have to correct them and address them. Or it could be something more complex like gender fluidity. In our society right now, we've got an issue where everybody understands that there's something that they call biological sex. And that has to do with your physical anatomy, with your genetic makeup. So every person is assigned biological sex, actually at conception, whether you're a male or a female in terms of your biological sex. But our society has now decided that gender can be separated from your biological sex. And so that your biological sex is one category, but your gender is your self-perception of your maleness or femaleness or male and female characteristics. It's your presentation of maleness and females. And it's kind of like your pursuit of whether you want to be more male or female oriented. And of course, people will say there's a spectrum. And I've heard people say there's hundreds of genders now, which the truth is, you know, when you really read the Bible and you think about what is God's design? Well, God's design is for your gender, your experience, your expression, your presentation of your maleness or females to match your biological sex. So that if you are anatomically a male, it is God's intent and design for you to experience life and to express yourself as a male. If you're biologically a female, it is God's design and God's intent for you to express and experience your life as a female. And the reason that this is important, this does set us against sort of the mainstream of thought in today's society, but this is God's design. 
Having said that, as parents and as pastors, we know that in our own church and in our own families, many children and many adults experience confusion about whether they're, you know, uh, males will be attracted to males, females to females, or someone will say, hey, I actually, I'm in a female body. My biological sex is female, but I really actually would prefer to express myself or experience life as a male. We know that that happens and we want to be very sensitive and very careful and very loving in the way that we talk to children or adults or parents who are in these conversations because that is their legitimate experience. They're not trying to do anything bad. They're not trying to do anything sinful. They're not trying, but they are contemplating or experiencing a departure from God's design. And we know that that ultimately leads to brokenness in their life because of that. What we want to try to do, and it may require pastoral conversations, prayer, it may require years, it may require therapy and counseling, and it may be something that the person has to struggle with the rest of their lives to some degree. I don't think this is necessarily something you just have a really good conversation and go, oh, well then, I guess we got that cleared up. Mm-hmm. But that's okay because we as Christians are willing to struggle alongside the families, pray alongside, care for people, help them work towards God's design. And that's the beauty of the gospel is the gospel allows us to reclaim God's design in our hearts and then pursue God's design with our lives. Even though sometimes as we pursue it, it's two steps forward and three steps back, but we at least know the direction that we're trying to go. So that's kind of a long answer, Kira, but you're the one who started with Jesus. <laughs> well, I will say too, I think that our, our society, a lot of the people that are thinking this way mean well, but somehow our thoughts have shifted to what would be most loving would be to allow them, our children or society to embrace itself and look within itself for truth Mm -hmm. and happiness. And what we know as Christians who have good theology is we understand that the most loving thing that we can do for society, for our children, is to point them to the Lord and to point them for His design. And He does have one. And so it's loving for us to teach that to them. And I can say this too, it's so vital, whether it's our own children or other family members or people in our church or our friends, as Christians, in my opinion, we have to maintain a posture of love, personal acceptance, personal care, personal commitment to the person, even if they don't immediately or ever line up with my way of thinking. Mm -hmm. So I value them because they're made in God's image. I even value the fact that they're being made in God's image gives them the opportunity to make legitimate choices about their lives. And God even gives us the opportunity to make sinful choices or wrong choices. And so we're going to love people, care for them. We want to respect their rights as citizens. We want to protect them in every way and protect their hearts. But part of loving them is also when we have opportunity, expressing the truth of God's design from God's word as lovingly as we can. But that doesn't like so like if we have family members, we do in our family, we're going to love them. We're going to care for them. We're going to accept them. I'm going to hug their neck when I see them. I'm going to tell them how much I care for them. I'm going to do anything I can to help them. And so this is not about rejecting anyone or pushing people down or pushing them out. We always say we want to pull them in and lift them up. Well, I think you all summed it up. So no need for response from the (laughs) Kellys or the Ramoses. (laughs) So I'll go ahead and ask. So describe the most difficult challenge you have overcome as a couple and how God used it in a good way. That's a good one. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know. So good you're going to answer. <laughs> <laughs> Describe the most difficult challenge you're willing to share. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I think for me, and it's a conversation, I think, I don't know if you ladies have already had the conversation about losing children, you know, whether in, in whatever stage of gestation or after birth. We have four children and five pregnancies. So there was between Miles and Malachi, there was a pregnancy that did not come to fruition. And so I, for me, that was the most yeah. difficult mm. challenge in our lives. And I remember it was on a Saturday because we were church planning and, and we found out it was early Sunday morning after midnight because we had gone out to the hospital and we waited and waited and no heartbeat. And so then, I don't know, I probably didn't sleep because then I had to get up. And go preach. preach. You had to go set up in church planning. You go set up Mm. the auditorium and preach. And I think it was difficult. And yet at the same time, I recall that being the time that I felt the closest to Kira and to my God, because it was only by God's grace that I was able to go and preach and be animated by his Holy Spirit to allow my body to function, to get back home to my wife, who was, I think my mom had come. They had driven through the the night night, to come to be with Kira. So I, I would say that was the most difficult situation that we together and we just celebrated Micah's 13th, 13th birthday, birthday on the 15th. February 15th. Yeah. Mm. So we still celebrate every year Yeah, the day yeah. she would have been born. So I was mm. going to say the same thing. I don't know that there is ever a period that grieving process, it's just still so fresh, mm-hmm. but I would totally agree with Eric. When you lose a child, it changes. And it you know, changes. and the thing I say about that also is, you know, for those of you who are listening who've experienced this and those who have not experienced and you trying to figure out how to comfort someone in that moment, I'll tell you one of the things that the most comforting thing is to recognize that life begins at conception. Well, mm-hmm. if we were to be theological about it, life begins when God thought of us before mm-hmm. in the womb, he said to Jeremiah. And so when we lose children, whether it's what we call a miscarriage or at any point of gestation, that's a child. That's a life. Yeah. And so we grieve a life. And I think for parents who lose children in any gestation period, period of the gestation or after after birth, it's to grieve with them. And to say, we, you know, we certainly don't know what to, you know, we don't know how you feel, but we want to be with you. I think one of the things that Kira and I heard that for us was just the worst thing to hear is, you know, you can have more children. That's just one of the coldest things, I think. Because, yes, you can have more children, but there's a loss. And so, math doesn't work that way. Does it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. And so I say that that was one of the most difficult times. We had loving people around us. Yeah. We got through it. We were close to each other. And I think, too, Eric was able to really help me and minister to me in a different way that he had not had to ever before. Because he was my husband. He's the father of, of our child. But I saw him in a different pastoral role that that was a time, I mean, a very long grieving time for me that I just didn't know if I was going to get out of that hole of grieving a child. But I was so thankful that not only was he a pastor to me at that time, but also, I mean, just took the reins as a full on full dad. So at the time he's working, he was in school, he was pastoring and he took on just being kind of a full time dad because I just didn't have it at the But I will say this, the math doesn't work that way, but you put the dots together. I will say we Came up pregnant again, not we long did. after that. <laughs> so, uh, we grieved, but the grieving did at some point <laughs> subside. Malachi was and born. And lo and behold, Malachi, Malachi was born, born a year later. He was born a year later, so. It got yeah. you closer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. In honor of Micah. <laughs> Christian Ramos. Well, I don't know. I don't think it's been, we obviously haven't had that type of situation. I would say for us, dealing with the, I would say this is on my end. We had, I would say there are two situations. 
One was dealing with the issues with your dad in our marriage. And the I think you've shared some of the issues you've had in your relationship with your dad and the way that I've had to sort of help you love your dad and yet keep you away at the same time. So there's been quite a bit of a delicate balance and dance has had to happen throughout our marriage regarding that. And um, Have you guys talked about that before? Your situation yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You can so, explain a little bit more. So your dad has some serious mental issues yeah. that have not really allowed him to be the type of father that maybe you always wish you could have had. I always grieve that for you because I had the opportunity of having a great dad who I think has almost become yes. a dad to you in some ways. I think you, your dad just had some physical and mental problems that just didn't allow him to be the dad that he probably wanted to be. But you, you've had to deal with that situation in your life. Every time you get close to him, I see you turn into a different, completely different person. It's scared. You're not outgoing. You, you're not the person that I know. And uh, I remember early on, I told you, I hate the person that you become when you're around him because, and I know hate is a strong word, but the reason why I said that was because it just wasn't you. Yeah. You've never been afraid. You're never scared of anything. You, you're always outgoing. You go getter type of personality. I mean, you got me here this morning. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you helped me balance. But who I am. Uh, yeah, I think something that God kind of put in my heart early on was that I was going to help you love your father, okay, in the best way possible, but with the distance so that you could actually enjoy the moments that you have with him rather than regret the interactions. And so we do it in small increments, right? And there are moments where your dad has asked to come and stay at our house. Man, I said no, right? But then when he's in need, we go and see him. Yeah. And so it really has been for years a delicate dance, but I've seen you grow in that. And you love your father well. You don't hold anything against him, which is something that I've always admired about you. You love him as much as you can. And you show him, and yet your relationship is not one that you, I don't see you trying to recover something that you felt like you lost, Mm -hmm. but rather you just show him that you love him. Yeah. And so I think that's been, at least for me as a husband, it's been a difficulty that I know we have experienced together. Yeah. And it's been a delicate balance and delicate dance for years. I would say for you was (laughs) when you went through your dad, that he almost lost his life due to cancer. And that was a very difficult situation. And we just found each other, you know, it was the first time it was early in our in our marriage and we didn't have babies. Actually, the week that you found out that your dad had cancer was the same week we found out we were expecting his first grandson. And at the same time, we we're debating about job situation. So it was all like in a week Everything happened in that week. It was a lot of situation, great news, bad news, very drastic, very jing-jang. I remember that helped us not only to get closer, but also to make drastic decisions together. It was, And we talked about this in the previous podcast, but how do you make drastic decisions together? Well, by starting not thinking about yourself and think of others and think about that person that the Lord has blessed you with. And I remember the first thing that we said was like, even if the Lord bless him with more years or not, we got to get there and get close to him and let him meet his grandson and just experience mm-hmm. that. And there was no negotiation. We both looked at each other. We're like, we need to go. Yeah. We need to be there. And I think that time, even though it was hard, it, 
I saw you in a different way because I've never seen you grieve that deeply. I mean, it's, it's, it's your father, but also you have a great relationship with your dad opposite from mine. So I saw that side of you and I what and I was, I just learned so much. I was like, wow, okay, we need to go there. We need to be there. I need to grieve with you. I need to be with him. And I saw how hurtful you were of this situation. So that was something that it really like here and Eric was saying, you know, not only one person was grieving, but as a couple, we were grieving together, mm -hmm. but we learned so much, so much from that situation. It helped us grow together Absolutely. even closer. And I mean, and for those that are listening, the Lord, you know, bless him. He's still alive. <laughs> he got a transplant. He's a miracle. I mean, his story is just amazing. But that situation in that moment is just helps us to get closer, be wiser, be stronger together. And it was a good learning situation. Wow. And then we don't have any more time, guys. <laughs> but the good thing is that we have part two. Gender fluidity. <laughs> that was it. That was it. So the good thing is like we have part two. So please check in for part two that is coming. We're going to keep having more marriage conversations. So this has been the mom village with our husband. So thank you so much for listening. And we're going to say bye to the ladies. We, we don't want the guys to yeah, join. Not this time. Not this time. Only the <laughs> <laughs> Only the ladies. Ready? One, two, three. Bye. Bye.